curious about design thinking but you don't know where to start? Then you're in the right space. Welcome to the Beginner's Guide to Design Thinking and A to Z, a year-long series of bite-sized, real-life examples, do's and don'ts, tried and tested go-to techniques to help get you started. I'm Tracy Sharp, a former design engineer director turned mentor and coach that uses design thinking principles to help others design their lives with purpose. And I'm Lucy Patterson, a workshop facilitator and business trainer, and I use design thinking to help organisations solve problems and make better business decisions. We are two Northern Lasses who are passionate about design thinking for your business, for your projects and for your life. Let's get creative without messing up your jumper with crayons. And today is brought to you by the letter F, which is for five W and H questions. So to be more specific, we are talking about who, what, when, where, why, and how. And these- I love how you say those things with a Scottish accent. <laughs> oh yeah, how? <laughs> Can't help it. Um, so we use these questions just to create open questions, which is so essential for the initial parts and for the exploratory part of the design thinking process. And it helps to get more depth, more emotion and more meaning to the problem at hand. Yeah, we're essentially asking you to think like a journalist. OK, so we're wanting you to think about open questions that will allow um, conversation to flow more naturally and to allow you to get deeper insight and to gain a better insight um, and a better understanding of customers and show more empathy for customers and how they're interacting with your product or service. I think that this is also it's also super important because it's all about ensuring that you're answering the right question. And this has definitely kind of come up quite a few times in our previous recordings. And so I think that most people will be trying to answer the initial question that they know. But if you're asking these types of questions, then you are just going to be basically drilling deeper and deeper. And I'm quite excited to kind of talk about this particular subject because it's, it's completely essential in my world of coaching because for to use these types of questions it allows you to fully understand to understand opinions to understand wishes and it also ensures that you're removing all sense of judgment that you're removing all assumptions you're not asking direct questions you are in in, in ergo you are not a adding any conclusions or imparting any conclusions onto the client immediately. It keeps you curious, but in the world of coaching, what is slightly different is you should not use the word why, because this imparts a sense of judgment basically onto the client. But if you keep it with the, all, the other, all the other questions, then it really ensures that you are not only listening to the client, but that you are constantly digging deeper. It's really interesting, isn't it, the way that the, that why is such an integral part of design thinking and of this sort of yeah. W and H process. And like you're saying for sort of life design and life coaching purposes, it's not a question that that needs to be there or, you know, that does add an element of judgment. Where for the work that I do with small businesses, it's less about judgment and it's more about having to sort of remove any previous associations and assumptions. Interesting. So can you give us some good examples in your experience of using the five W plus H questions? 
Well, the five WNH questions are prep questions um, in the understand phase of design thinking. So they're there to help you get the right problem statement, because as you've said previously, it's important that you're solving the right problem, that you're not just kind of being quite superficial about what you think the problem is. And while they all kind of every exercise, every tool, every technique that we discuss in various podcast episodes, they all stand alone, but they all ultimately interact and help support other areas of that process. So the five W and H questions, you don't realise how hard that is to get you to It's really hard to say. <laughs> you know, you just read it in your head, don't you? <laughs> but the five W and H questions um, essentially help you get to your how might we question, which we'll cover in another episode. But I always believe in the power of three. So when it comes to five W and H, the power of three, definitely, because you're essentially looking at the people who are involved, the people who are affected, and the people who are the decision makers. So you're about finding really in-depth information from people about, you know, who are you? Who's involved in what this problem is going to be? Who's affected? How are they affected? Who's going to be the decision maker? And you can basically just pull together some really outline, I can show you a really basic one, and I'm hoping this works here. Ah. Really basic example, okay? <laughs> Doesn't come much more basic than me writing on a piece of paper. But basically, sort of who's involved, who's affected, who's the decision maker, what do you already know about the problem, what would you like to know about the problem, more importantly? What are the assumptions that should be scrutinised? So when we've said previously about removing assumption and removing judgment, why do we really need to scrutinise some of the assumptions that we're already making? Because they could be totally removed from the people who we're trying to actually reach and we're trying to actually find out more about within what we're trying to solve for them. And it basically allows you to open up sort of and see more clearly the results that you might get and the opportunities that will fit within that. Yeah. So uh, do you find that this is a really good way to kick off uh, a particular session or like when do you normally use this? I tend to use this in advance of using five whys. Okay. So it's very much that um, this is about really getting to the core of what people want from you, what the problem is that you want to solve, who all of the stakeholders and such like are. And I think that when you're actually running the exercise, that's another really important part of this, is that when you consider dynamics of people who are in that room and who are actually taking part in this exercise, the 5W&H exercise, you have to think about if it's chief execs, if it's managerial, if it's people in leadership positions, if it's people who are sort of the grassroots of an organisation, because this is one of those exercises where it becomes very simple or very too easy, shall we say, to fall into what I refer to design thinking theatre, where you are just going through the motions, but the loudest person in the room or the person with most power in the room is the person who eventually says, well, this is the answer to who, this is the answer to what, and essentially takes control of creating that problem statement. So you need to sort of separate these groups out and have okay. each of them work independently to sort of make this a productive exercise rather than just something that you're just going through the motions ultimately. Um, so how do you how do you handle the um, the loudest person in the room? You've mentioned like sort of separating them, but 
what kind of information do you have in advance to sessions to kind of help manage that? Yeah, I mean, I always have information about who's going to be in the room. And then I can sort of work the power dynamics. Could I ask who they are, what their role is, and who else is going to be in that session that they manage or that they're in charge of? And then the five, I have to keep looking at what we've got. <laughs> the five W and H's exercise <laughs> is also something that we can work really well in what we would refer to as alone together which essentially means that everybody in the room is given a certain amount of time to write down, okay, who do you think, you know, is involved, who, why, how, you know, and answer sort of questions individually or come up with what their questions would be individually before we all come back together. And then that can come back together in any kind of anonymous format. So there are great sort of pieces of software like Slido that you can use that will then allow people to input what they've come up with anonymously. Okay, yeah. And so it, I... So for our podcast listeners, um, Lucy actually held up a piece of paper which had lots of the questions written on it. So um, is uh, what 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 is that piece of paper um, that you just showed us? This piece of paper is literally therefore, <laughs> <laughs> and it's something that when I remembered that we were actually recording this episode today, I brought it back from a session that I ran last week. Ah, great! Just to literally show what kind of questions you know, can come up for each of the question words so that you're talking about, you know, bringing it all to results and to opportunities rather than it ending up being something that's a little bit abstract. Mm -hmm. And that's where, obviously, I mentioned earlier that I use this and then I follow on with five W, uh, five Ys if need be, simply because that can then drill down and make it less abstract for somebody. Okay, so um, we are going to be covering um, five whys in another episode, um, but just to kind of clarify what you're saying is like the the the, the five W and H questions is to kind of to really kind of bring more like nebulous kind of thoughts um, to the to the surface, and yeah. then the five whys is to properly drill down into the yeah. the main issue, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's the way I tend to use it. Yeah. And just to clarify, just um, just making sure I understand. So the 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 five WH questions, are you determining these in like in, in advance or who is giving you these questions or how are you getting these questions generated? Nobody is determining these questions in advance. That's down to whoever's in the room, because obviously the, the questions will be slightly different for everybody that's involved. But as long as you are considering the people who are going to be involved, the people who are going to be affected and the decision makers, then you can come up with the right questions. There are some great um, templates and structures that you can use, that you can download online that will give you a great starting point from these. And I know we always say about the book, the Design Thinking Toolbox, but it actually has an online version where you can actually use some of the templates of the exercises that are mentioned in the book, of which 5WH is one, and you can reach them at, I'm going to have to squint at the screen as I say these because I wrote these down <laughs> separately, www.design-thinking-playbook.com or www.dt. I'm saying slash and I mean hyphen. That's really... <laughs> <laughs> A message again, holding up pieces of paper and expecting people who are listening to the podcast rather than watching us on YouTube to understand what I'm talking about. But sorry, we'll, we'll try again with those um, addresses for the templates. www.design-thinking-playbook.com 
or www.dt-toolbookrather.com. And, you know, in how you want to then use those, in how you want to actually make that work for any groups that you're in, use my role, use Mural, have sort of great online collaboration tools, use A1 Sheets with post-it notes, you know, do whatever works for you. If you're self-employed, if there's only you, just create an A4 sheet. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be anything that's too in-depth or too onerous because they are just the questions that you're then going to respond to in-depth. Okay. Yeah. Um, have you, have you, um, you, you know, you said before that you had used certain structures to ensure that um, the comments were anonymous. Mm -hmm. Like what has happened to you before if it wasn't anonymous? It, it leads for some giggles, I suppose. But mm. essentially what tends to happen is that power dynamics play out. Mm. People who are more introverted in a group do their usual sit back, listen, kind of wait for that point to jump in. But the point never comes because when they feel confident enough to jump in, somebody's already moved the conversation forward. So it just stops that kind of thing. And it just allows people to actually all engage at a level where they are comfortable, but that they're not missing out on actually having that involvement because it really otherwise can just be, right, why are we here? What is this workshop for? When you as a chief exec or an MD could have just said, this is what our problem is. This is what we do for, for customers and clients. Go do it. And it makes the point of a, any kind of workshop completely mm -hmm. null and void. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in terms of... Lucy's top top tips and tricks so we've obviously mentioned like group group power dynamic and you've mentioned uh, DT theater as well which is a I'd never heard that expression so I quite I quite right. like that <laughs> I'd never heard of that one before that's quite good so what else do you think is like super important to be able to use the five w plus h <laughs> <laughs> I know it's crazy isn't it but once you've got your questions written then obviously you are actually going to take those questions and you're going to ask them of customers and of stakeholders and I think that's where something that you will have one heck of a lot more sort of input and insight into than I do um, is you need to use active listening yeah you know we're back to that leave your ego behind and listen and I think I'm going to lead into sort of how you know what what thoughts you have around this but I was always told you know the biggest communication problem is we do not listen to understand we listen to reply and I believe that was a quote by Stephen Covey and therefore I am shutting up now and I'm going to listen <laughs> actively <laughs> to, to you. The, the Steve, Stephen Covey he's like the 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 um highly successful people tips book isn't it seven seven habits of highly successful, highly successful people, people. Yeah. yeah yes i i think actually i i i thought i thought that um i was a pretty good listener as a leader um until i did coaching basically and i think that active listening it's training to be an active listener has changed the way that i interact with people entirely basically because i think that um, it's incredibly powerful. Uh, active listening is incredibly powerful, mostly because it gives space and it completely focuses your attention on the other person. And instead of waiting for your turn to speak, 
you are properly listening to what people are saying. And then in combined with like using these particular questions, you are what really works most effectively is creating questions that basically the client has already created for you. So they like they will using active listening, they will go down certain paths, like with them, um, almost it's like kind of like a, 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 a an outwards in, inner monologue that people are just when you give people the space and you just shut up and listen, like people will just solve a lot of their own problems, or they'll come up with maybe not solve the problems, but come up with their own solutions. And basically, if you are then forming questions, which are designed to be open questions in the first place, but then also using the words of the client, it's so powerful. Because one thing that you really need in this kind of space is to allow clients to really start to trust you. And clients will trust you if they know you're listening to them. Yeah. So, yeah, go on. Yeah, I, think, I think it's really important. And I think that the... The fact is that you mentioned using clients' words back to them because then you're sort of in their psyche, you're in their subconscious. But I think that the words you get from people that you're asking these questions of is not then great to sort of continue that conversation with them. But then when you're to talk, sort of moving this along the process and you're going to be marketing it, you know, you've already got the words and the phrases that people who are going to buy what your solution is are using. And it becomes like gold dust. And I think sometimes it's one of those things that people can kind of like go, well, we know who we're going to help with this. You know, we know what it's going to be. We know when we're going to do it by. We know where it's going to happen. We know why we're doing it. We know how we're doing it. And they don't then listen enough and they don't then use these questions in the way that they're intended until you kind of explain the links to them. Well, hang on a second. If a client has just used the word, flabbergasted you know and that word comes up with several clients that is a word you need to use in your marketing yeah you know yeah. um yeah. not that i've ever had that that word come up <laughs> i've seen anyone use the word flabbergasted in marketing but this time <laughs> yeah no it's it's completely true and i'll, I'll kind of yes and what you've said yeah basically active listening also allows you to pick up on patterns not only with like multiple clients but also with the same client because basically if so, then there is like a level of significance of that word to them and it's your job as the coach to figure out what that is basically so if someone says the word um stressed or they say the word busy busy and they're saying busy 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 and then you say well what what's what is busy or what's the importance of busy mm -hmm. and it becomes like it just becomes this connection basically you're able to connect with people and then basically kind of continue to dive deeper but it's um i guess um we are going to be talking about five wise later, but like in another session, but it's, it's, it's really interesting. There are some coaches that do use why, but it's, and they'll, and they just ask the same question, which is like, why is that important to you? Mm -hmm. But most of the time, you know, the idea is that you don't, you don't use why you have to frame it up to say, rather than saying, why is that important to you? Say what is important to you about that? Mm -hmm. So it's that like, complete reframe. It's like it, yeah, exactly. So it's just yeah. it's just to make sure that it's it's to ensure that the client feels kind of comfortable, mm -hmm. as opposed to sort of feeling that there's a level of judgment. 
Right. It's interesting because we do the same thing in sort of a small business environment, because if you reframe the question, you actually get a new perspective. Mm. So if you have, you know, everybody I think in life fits into either glass half full or glass half empty type of people. Mm -hmm. So if you say to somebody, okay, why is it not being solved yet? That would kind of almost be a red flag to somebody and they would feel as though exactly Exactly. something. Whereas if you say, who's tried to solve it before? You're kind of asking them from a different, you know, it comes in at an alternative angle and it can play to both types of people. Yeah. So you kind of gain new perspective and it's just that, that other way around getting an answer that is going to provide you with enough meaty, juicy insight to be able to use as it's almost an artificial intelligence. So if you think of AI, many people sort of think of, you know, robots and and, and things watching what you're saying and what, what you're typing on online and things. But if you think of it just as additional intelligence then this is exactly what 5WH provides you with. It's data, mm-hmm, it's yeah. information about who it is that you are trying to reach and what it is that you're trying to do and how they are going to respond to that. And I think that's probably one of the biggest learnings that I know this wasn't what you asked specifically about workshops previously, but that comes out of workshops and it comes out of workshops more when you make sure that those power dynamics are kind of distributed correctly. Yes, I can definitely see how that could be a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Awesome. Any any other tips and tricks that's uh, that's the, the, the Lucy way for um, <laughs> workshops? I don't think so. No, to be honest. I mean, for these particular questions, I think it comes down to when you're actually facilitating in the room. And just making sure that people are comfortable with each other, that you have that, as we've said before, ability to feedback anonymously, because nobody wants to kind of be responsible for asking the who question that everybody then talks about and giggles about for the weeks and months to come. Mm. Um, Whether that is because it was felt to be wrong, when I have to say there's no right and wrong in design thinking, that's a huge part of it. But if you are then sort of shot down by somebody superior to you, the rest of a team can sometimes think, well, we, we, we know which team, you know, we know which side we've got to be on here. Um, so very much just facilitate so that people are at ease and are comfortable, um, you know, and I, I regularly sort of will take a couple of examples on a pre-formatted template just so that they've got an idea of where to start and then it stops that kind of blank page terror of... where where do we start with this because for essentially five simple question words we do not deal well with open-ended questions Mm. in general society yeah it's true I mean people don't normally speak that way to each other because someone will say like oh you know have you already gone to the shops today as opposed to what did you do today it's just for for me I mean I I think that I was always a bit more up for a juicy conversation but it's totally you know having this open I I I believe that open questions are are the way forward it allows us to properly communicate with each other properly but um as you say I think that not everybody's used to that kind of line of questioning it's it it, a lot of people are more used to yes no answers or I've already think I, I already think I have the answer type questions yeah so um, no, I really think that it's uh, open mindedness. Open mindedness is such a big part of design thinking. 
in general. You know, you kind of go in to to take as much as as possible from other in, insights, and I feel like open questions is another part of that. Yeah, it's just I guess getting people to understand that the reason you're asking these open questions or the reason you're coming up with these open questions is very simply because you want a better understanding of your customer or client. Yeah. So we're not doing these to get a better understanding of you. It's not kind of your own soul that's going to be made better or anything. Yeah. It's about other people. And I think if you can get someone to understand that, then that is when it flows a little bit better for them because it releases the pressure and it releases any overwhelm. Are you saying this because you've had to give caveats or you have to give like disclaimers or any kind of explanation at the beginning of this type of exercise? The beginning of any type of exercise would come along with many a caveat and essentially <laughs> if I was doing this we would always sort of set our own rules as to in this room you know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas <laughs> all the, the rules and sort of regulations that we're going to um, follow for the day um, but yes there's always need for that but I think if you remember it's about your customers it's about understanding your customers it's about you know being able to serve them better being able to sell more which ultimately whether you're a team leader whether your CEO keeps you in a role, then I think people kind of fall more at ease when they do when they sort of realise, well, actually the who, what, when, where, why, how is not about me. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, as ever, if you have any specific queries, feel free to drop an email to designthinkingaz at gmail.com. We're always happy to answer any questions and signpost you towards any of the resources we've mentioned during our podcast episodes. And please do join us next time on the A to Z Design Thinking, when we're going to be chatting about all things growth for your life and for your business. Why do it? We'll see you next time. <laughs>